Welcome to Still Dead from Chipperish Media. I'm story expert who went just under your head, actually, Lonnie Diane Rich. And I'm researcher and professional freak, Dr. Kelly Jones. <laughs> and we're here today to talk about Angel Season 4, Episodes 1 and 2, Deep Down and Ground State, which are both watchers. This is so much harder than it looks on Batman. So let's raise the stakes. Season 4 opens with the tortured hallucinations that Angel is suffering after months of being locked in a crate, starved, and lost in the ocean. Fred and Gunn continue to search for Angel while struggling to act as parent figures to Connor, who spent the summer being a truly terrible teenage brat and keeping Angel's situation a secret. Meanwhile, Wesley, who now has a snarky Lila happy in his bed and a kidnapped Justine locked in his closet, is close to actually finding Angel. Fred and Gunn track down a possible lead, a vampire who saw Angel the night he disappeared. But before they can interrogate her, Connor stakes her. Dead vamps tell no tales, after all, and Connor doesn't want anyone to know what he did to Angel. At Wolfram and Hart, Lila goes over Linwood's head and wins over a senior partner, leading her to then go under Linwood's head with a blade and taking (laughs) over the special projects division after she decapitates him. Wesley tracks down a much better lead out on a boat where he's been searching night after night for Angel, armed with sensors and Justine's reluctant help. Wesley finds the crate and hauls Angel out of the water and then nurses the crazed, starved vampire back to life or unlife or a state of still dead but still kicking, feeding Angel from his own arm in the process. After Wesley lets Justine go, well, sort of, he leaves her handcuffed to the pier, but he also tossed her the key. He brings Gunn and Fred up to speed. Fred tasers Connor, and she and Gunn tie him up, and Wesley brings Angel back to the Hyperion. Connor gets loose, surprise, surprise, but Angel manages to cow him and then kicks him out. Angel is back in charge and also in need of healing and more blood because Wes is fresh out. But all Angel can think about is finding Cordelia, whose whereabouts are still unknown because apparently the powers that be don't allow personal calls at work, even (laughs) when the person they chose to bear their visions needs to get in touch with their champion. Deep Down aired on October 6, 2002. It was directed by Terrence O'Hara and written by Stephen S. DeKnight. And Dr. Kelly Jones on the perfect happiness scale with Stake This at Zero and Lost Your Soul at Six. Where are you with Deep Down? Oh, my soul is lost deep down at the bottom <laughs> of the ocean, baby, because this is a six for me. Yeah. <laughs> like, not even Connor can take away my perfect happiness over the vampire in the crate metaphor. Mm-hmm. Wesley and Lila. Justine in Wesley's closet. (laughs) Wesley saving Angel. This is one of my all-time favorites, like top three favorites um, Mm -hmm. of Angel episodes. If only I could cut the scenes with Connor. I know, right? Well, it's definitely, it's a six for me, too. I mean, I think this this may legit be my all-time favorite episode of Angel, although there are a couple of contenders. So at the end, I'm going to have to make that call. Yeah. Uh, The Wesley and Lila stuff is fantastic. Gunn and Fred a stand-in parents for Connor and Fred's pure fury when she finds out what Connor did is all great. The stuff with Cordelia is terrible, but it's a small part of the episode, so I'm just living with it. (laughs) I cannot (laughs) wait to see how this compares in your favorites to Smile Time. 
Yeah, I don't know. Smile Time is honestly, but Smile Time also is like a standalone yeah. kind of favorite. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things. It's just one of those. And, and uh, but like in the run of the show, like mm-hmm. what this episode does. God, it's amazing. It's so good. It's so good. And I had so many moments of perfect happiness and just a few things to stake. Yes. Mm-hmm. But we have to start with deep down, dark, delicious, dark Wesley. Oh, my God. I love it. <laughs> oh, my God. So it, it just this this absolute snark that he has now, like yes. his whole countenance has changed. His tone yes. of voice has changed. It's mm-hmm. oh, and the beard and, and just oh, mm-hmm. all of it. And he's, you know, they're in bed with Lila and she's kind <laughs> of, you know, snarking at him about Angel, you know, not liking him anymore. And he's just so, you know, nonchalant about it. He's like, you wouldn't think kidnapping a son would have such a negative effect on our relationship. <laughs> I know. Being able to joke about it. I mean, yes. that is so weird, but kind of cool. Yeah. When you get to the point that you can joke about your trauma, you have. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wesley's getting there, you know. He's getting and, there. And I love Lila. She's like, well, you thought you were doing the right thing. I hear that can be confusing. <laughs> <laughs> Because she's never actually tried to do the right thing or cared about doing the right thing. For her, it's all secondhand information. Yeah, it's so <laughs> great. And and I love how she's so clearly trying to get information out of him. And he knows it and he just laughs. You know, he's yeah. like, I have no idea where Angel is and I don't care. And, <laughs> and Lila's like, well, that's cold. I think we're finally yeah. making progress. And <laughs> She's like so pleased to see this <laughs> dark coldness in, in Wesley. And it yes. just freaking delights me. Um, I know. And then Lila leaves and mm-hmm. Wesley grabs this key <laughs> and he <laughs> walks <laughs> to his closet. And I'm, I'm expecting, you know, books, like maybe. Or get it out of gun. Yeah, oh, yeah. Or something. Like, something. But, yeah. but he opens the closet and. And there's a cage, and in the cage is Justine. <laughs> is it not a bucket? <laughs> like, oh my god! And this is the thing, though. Like, okay, I I don't in any way think it's funny for somebody to keep a woman in their closet, except in this very <laughs> specific configuration of a man keeping a woman, you know, prisoner in a closet. Like, it's just, I can't help it. It delights me. I don't think that says good things about me. I'm a little worried about it, but oh my God. Well, I'm a little worried about it too, because it delights me mm-hmm. to no end. I'm like, I, and I don't know if it's just because it's Justine or if it's because like, Wesley put so much thought into the design of the way exactly. <laughs> he has this thing figured, you know, Dale to, to say that the walls are soundproof. I know. <laughs> but just I don't know. And part of it is the shock of it, too. Like, yes. Because we've seen Wesley. I mean, Wesley has been very gradually going dark for quite a long time. Yes. Like, we've been, this has been in process for a really long time. Um, and yet, when we get here, there's, it's almost shock laughter. Yeah. It's almost like, oh, my God. God, yes, just the the audacity of it. You know, I I absolutely love it. Yeah, and I know it's bad. It's so bad, but he's just so calm about it. He's like, I know it's time. Let's go for a boat ride. (laughs) I'm like, and the sad thing is, is I'm standing there like with my hand in the air, going, I want to go. I want to go. 
I want to go. I want to go too. It's so ridiculous. But I love that Wesley has put the pieces together. You know, and he's clearly dedicated to searching for Angel every night. And, and he's yeah. so immune to all of Justine's bullshit. Yes. You know, like she's saying things that are genuinely hurtful and a lot of which mm-hmm. are true. Yeah. And they just bounce off of him. Like, yeah, he just does not care. He hit the no fucks bedrock a long time ago. <laughs> yes, he does. And he tells her and. You know, there's so much talk about what we deserve in this episode, mm-hmm, and we'll get yeah. to that in research mode. But he tells Justine, he's like, you and Holtz deserve each other. Mm-hmm. And and then she's working up her gumption to, like, hit him with this wrench, you know. And he just, so, he doesn't even turn around. He's oh, like, yeah. I'll take away your bucket. And <laughs> she just sits it down and gives up. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's so great. And I don't know what it says about me narratively or personally that one of my favorite lines of this whole show is i'll take away your bucket i know but it's I one feel of my favorites <laughs> which reminds me <laughs> this episode of still dead is brought to you by justinesbuckets.com <laughs> justine's buckets are almost sturdy enough to hold the weight of a small adult woman without the pesky need to hover and have a reinforced plastic handle to make emptying them out a breeze justine's buckets are plain white and plastic a lot like justine and they're almost big enough to get you through the whole day go to justinesbuckets.com and use the code shit still to get your discount today <laughs> or instead you could choose to take the $3 you might spend on Justine's Buckets and give it directly to Chipperish Media so that we can keep our indoor plumbing in top-notch shape and remove the need for buckets entirely. Supporting Chipperish Media gets you not only the satisfied feeling of supporting the independent podcast you love, but you also get access to exclusive content in the Discord chat where you can hang out with Angel fans and chide us about the things we forgot or got wrong or didn't talk about because we don't do spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) Go to patreon.com slash chipperish to find out more. And just to be clear, we here at Chipperish Media do not endorse keeping a woman in a closet against her will. Even Justine. (laughs) God, I'll take away your bucket. I'll take away your bucket. <laughs> I'm gonna get the weirdest stuff for Christmas, and I'm gonna be delighted. I'm like, look, I it's know. an ice pick. Look, it's a it's bucket. An ice pick and a bucket. <laughs> two things I've always wanted: a little white plastic bucket and a little ice pick in there. A little ice pick in- well, now I know what to get you for Christmas. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And what I don't want this year is a big crate with a scary star. Right. With a insane vampire vampire in it. it. But (laughs) (laughs) when Wesley finds Angel and hauls him out of the water, like he opens that crate without hesitation. You know, he knows what he's facing and he just opens it. And it's so badass. And he's so Mm -hmm. determined. And he loves Angel so much. Like, I don't care why he says he's saving him. Yeah. He's saving yeah, him no, because absolutely. he loves him. No. I mean, this is honestly, and, and and the, you know, the coordination of Justine and her bucket and being kept in a closet and all of that darkness, right? And then, you know, wrapped up in this effort to find Angel. And it is, it's such a love story. When he opens his own vein to feed Angel, 
Like that is yeah. that's a love story, and I love the love story between Wesley and Angel. I do you too. know, I mean, it's just it's so great and it's so beautifully told. It's just it's incredibly touching in the same space where this guy has been keeping a woman in a closet. Like it's just I don't know. I, I don't know how it works. It's some kind of wild magic somebody clearly has made some kind of faustian bargain just to make this work but it works it and works. it's awesome it works so well and when he first opens that crate you know angel reaches up and grabs wesley's throat and that has to be triggering right i mean for mm-hmm. a dude that yeah. had his throat slashed open and west oh, and sure. you know angel tried to smother him before yeah and yeah. that's angel's first reaction and then you see angel mm-hmm. slowly let go and he lowers his mm-hmm. arm and he lets Wesley help him. Yeah. Oh, God. It just, it's so moving. You know, yeah. and when he cuts his arm, right? I mean, Angel's still hallucinating. Yeah. And he's seeing yeah. Connor. And mm-hmm. he says, I should have killed you. Right. And then Wesley, he says, I should have killed you. Wesley has no reason to think that he's not actively talking to Wesley. Right. And his response is to open up his arm and feed Angel. Yeah. Right. That is such a pure expression of deep love. Yep. I, I just, I love I it. Know. I think I love it. if I look at the show as a whole and I had to pick mm-hmm. one scene to explain yeah. why I love it so much, it would be that scene. Yeah. And it, it it's just, so good. It's so good. It's, I could watch that scene on a loop. Yes, I, really I know. Could. Absolutely. And just the knowing oh, what God. Wesley's going through and, and yeah. you know, he has no hope really of redeeming that friendship. Nobody no. knows what he's doing. He's doing no. all of this alone. Mm-hmm. And yet it, it's so beautiful in all the dark and twisty. It's just beautiful. Yeah. God, you know, it's so wonderful. And then Wesley leaving Justine handcuffed to the pier just <laughs> delights me. <laughs> you know, tossing her a key. He just throws her the key. I don't know if the key's close enough for her to reach or not, but... It's, I imagine somebody will pass by eventually, if not. But yeah, like it's it's so great. And honestly, like all of the Justine stuff that we have had to suffer through <laughs> up until this point, like at this point, this is what makes it worth it. This is why, you know, if you have to stake Kate or Justine, you pick Kate. That's right. <laughs> we have to because get Justine, Justine to the bucket. <laughs> gives you this, yes. right? I mean, oh my God. God. Oh, it's so great. And then, you know, he brings Angel home. Mm-hmm. He comes in and, and Gunn and Fred are mad at him. Like yeah. they're angry at him for yeah. for not telling them, you know, about Connor and, and for leaving. And I'm like, maybe anger's not the reaction that Wesley should be getting from the two of you right exactly. now. Exactly. Yeah. But he just takes that again. It's like there's this force field around him where all this emotional hurt just bounces off yeah you know and yeah and he says he'll need more blood i'm fresh out and oh, oh my god god oh my god i know and then right after that fred goes he just doesn't care does he like clearly he cares well, he just moved heaven and earth to bring angel exactly. home exactly exactly he did what you could not do right Right. You know, I mean, he was like what he was saying to Justine, you know, like when Angel went missing, I knew whose door to kick down. You know, I mean, like he went right to it and did that. And he made it happen. Yeah. Because he loves Angel. Angel is his best friend. 
And oh my God, it's so, it's so wonderful and heartbreaking and sad and lovely. You know, it's that proof of love, right? I love those proof of love stories where somebody with nothing to gain, you know, with nothing to get out of it, does something for somebody else purely because they love them. And that's it. You know, God, those are beautiful. It's so good. It's so good. Mm -hmm. And I, and I also really loved that we saw some of this reflected from Angel to Wesley. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Because as painful as they are, Angel's yeah. hallucinations went in my moments of perfect happiness. Um, they break my heart. I think each yes. one is so well done. Oh, God, I know. And that first one, you know, he's got the whole family together eating Thanksgiving yeah. dinner. And then kind of after these few minutes of lighthearted happy, you know, Wesley leans in from the shadows and says yes. to family, and, oh, my oh, God. God. So, like, you know that Angel really does love Wesley. And then yeah. we see, you know, unquestioning Wesley's love for Angel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, you know, Connor ruins that moment in the hallucination. Um, of course. But that's a great transition to Angel's current state, mm-hmm. you know, where that yeah. water on the floor becomes the water all around him. And, it, oh, yeah. God, to see how he's suffering like that. Yeah, it's so horrible. Um, and then that second hallucination, you know, it started out kind of cheesy between him right. and Cordelia. Um, she was like, you know me better than that. And I was like, right. yes, Cordy, because you floating away in the sky with no word makes no damn sense. And we all know exactly. it. Like, come on. <laughs> um, but I did like that, like the title of this episode comes from mm-hmm. you know angel being deep down in the ocean but also mm-hmm. wesley's deep down love for angel and angel's yes. deep down love for wesley and cordelia mm-hmm. has that line you know i'm in love right. with you angel deep down i think i have been for a long time yep and mm-hmm. and then we get this really interesting echo of angel saying i need you cordy and like yeah. i need cordy and it starts here you know, he goes from kissing her to biting her because he's mm-hmm. starving and he can't help it. And he's screaming, you know, I'm sorry. And it's so tormented. Yeah. Oh, God. I know. Oh, it's so hard to watch. Um, mm-hmm. And then we get the third hallucination, which is pretty compelling. You know, he and Connor yeah. are fighting these vamps together mm-hmm. and they're laughing. And there's this like father son bonding and they're, you know, doing their fighting together. And then he just turns and snaps Connor's neck. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, I kind of love when he snaps on his neck, but I feel, <laughs> I feel his terror and his horror at that, yeah. you know, because yeah. everybody wants to. I mean, let's face it, you know, that's, but it was also, that's fan service, right? It's still kind of shocking. And then, it is, you know, Angel yeah. just his trapped down there screaming, like mm-hmm. trapped in his own mind and so horrified yeah. by his own thoughts and yeah. his own hallucinations, because even after everything that Connor's done, Angel doesn't want to hurt him. Right. You know, and oh, Angel still loves him. Of course he does. I thought they were so well done and so intense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get Lila. Oh, my oh God. Oh, my God. So I love Lila. And like Gavin and Linwood are trying to set her up and she is so far ahead of them. I know. And yes, Lila is evil. She is unquestionably evil. But I was furious on her behalf for the way she had to defend herself at a staff meeting in front of her colleagues for sleeping with Wesley. You know? And and Linwood Mm -hmm. is like, did everybody have a chance to review her file? And I'm like, fuck you, Linwood. I know, right? But Lila handled it. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, she did. She's... Lila doesn't need anybody else looking no. out for Lila. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. love this. He's, you know, he's at the table. He's facing her. And he says, lack of strategy has always been one of your shortcomings. And she stands up and says, and lack of courage has always been one of yours. And I'm like, damn, like, damn. I know. I love so great. And she's gone to a senior partner and got promoted. Mm -hmm. And so then in, you know, uh, Wolfram and Hart fashion, she cuts Linwood's head off and it rolls on the table. And like (laughs) that part kind of grosses me out. But the whole thing is so delightful that, you know. Oh, my God. And I love Gavin's face. (laughs) When Linwood's head rolls onto the table and you just see him seeing his entire future gone. I know. And then she just oh my she God. just looks up at everybody and she says, You're all reporting to me now. Get out. Exactly. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. It's so good. It's so good. And I kinda yeah. hate bringing this up, but it bothers me. It's like so striking. But Lila's mm-hmm. makeup in this episode is so weird. She has these huge dark circles under her eyes. Yeah. And she's so pale that she looks really, really ill. Yeah. And I didn't know, like, if there was something going on with her, if it was just bad lighting. But it was, like, distracting to the point that I was wondering, is she dying? I think they were just... I think they were just because, you know, at the beginning of every season, everybody gets styled differently. Yeah. You know, like there's always like these little subtle changes and whatever, you know. But for Lila, it feels like they styled her in a way that that is a little bit weird and distracting. And I'm not sure if it's supposed to mean so. I mean, it, you know, we can't spo- you can't spoil what doesn't happen. Like she's not sick or anything in the show or anything, you know. Um, but yeah, I don't know what that was about, you know, or it's just that I, my guess is this. That all of her makeup time, right? All of her careful application of the makeup and everything has been taken up with fucking Wesley. Oh. In which case, I say fair trade, baby. Oh yeah, well, and that would explain the <laughs> lack of sleep. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just, and I don't normally yeah. pay a lot of attention to makeup and styling, but it just it mm-hmm. stood out. Um, yeah. But then I had this total moment of perfect happiness at the end. Um, yeah. when Angel was channeling his inner Dread Pirate Roberts. Right. So, <laughs> oh, my you know, God. Because I know. they've tied up Connor, and Connor gets loose. Um, mm-hmm. And then Angel's just right there in the doorway, and he says, sit down. Oh, my and, God. And I love that. This, to me, it was just like the end of The Princess Bride. You know, yeah. when the Dread mm-hmm. Pirate Wrestling confronts Prince Humperdinck, and he just manages barely to stand up, and he says, drop your sword. Right. <laughs> these, oh, my God. It's so two good. Two saints are always connected in my head. So good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and Connor just backs up and sits the hell down. Mm-hmm. You know, and then Angel is so flippant. He's like, so how was your summer? Mine was fine. Saw some fish, went mad with hunger, hallucinated a whole bunch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I love him. I love it. And and I like that he knows immediately that Connor's telling the truth about not having anything to do with Cordy's disappearance. Mm-hmm. And Angel says, you know, he's done enough lying for me to know the difference. The truth has a better yeah. sound to it. Right. And I think that there's something about that that line, the truth has mm-hmm. a better sound to it. That yeah. like is gonna mm-hmm. come back to echo a little bit or it's just mm-hmm. kind of important, you know, to pay attention to. 
Um, mm-hmm. And then I love this just kind of snark that Angel has. He's like, what you did to yeah. me was unbelievable, Connor. And I was sucked in a hell dimension by a girlfriend for one time for 100 years. <laughs> you know, a few months under the ocean actually gave me perspective. Kind of an M.C. Escher perspective. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> Dude has had some time to think. You know? He has, yeah. And and Connor still is holding so tight to this idea of, well, you deserved it. Right. You know, and mm-hmm. Angel's like, well, what I deserve is up for debate. And and he gives mm-hmm. this great speech that we'll talk about in research mode. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I love you, Connor. Now get out of my house. Yeah. I was like, damn. That was good. It was good. That was really good. Yeah. 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 It was really, really good. Um, but probably my biggest moment of perfect happiness is like mm-hmm. a metatextual, intertextual thing. Yeah. Because this storyline mm-hmm. in Angel gave me one of the most powerful personal emotional metaphors of my life. Yeah. You know, that the trauma and feelings we lock away are like a starved, crazy vampire in a locked crate <laughs> at the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> and <laughs> in the first podcast we did together, Big Strong Yes, on episode mm-hmm. three, Beautiful in the Moonlight, yeah. we talked about how emotions locked in a crate become so scary that it's easier to leave them buried at the bottom of the ocean than to grab a big ass crowbar and open the crate and face the monster and process all the feelings. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think... Because the universe is made of trickster energy. Um, Mm -hmm. That episode of BSY from July 2017 was the first time we mentioned doing this Still Dead podcast. Yes, I believe, which was an idea that we just kind of came up with in the moment. You know, we were like, we got to do an angel podcast because we were talking about that that vampire in the crate and that, you know, you, you put these traumas and these experiences that you can't deal with in a crate and that you drop them at the bottom of the ocean. But the thing is that when you bring them up, they are just as like fresh as the day you put them down there. Yeah. <laughs> like, they don't die. <laughs> you know, they just sit there and hallucinate until you pull them back up <laughs> and then you open that crate and it is, it is really, really hard. Um, and as we're talking about that, we just were like, Oh man, we got to do angel. We got to talk about it. Cause I was like, angel, like angel in the crate, the bottom of the ocean. We pulled this whole thing together and it's, so funny because really without that discussion i don't think we'd be doing this podcast right now probably not yeah so it just delighted me i know to no end um (laughs) and i really really liked um there was that moment when gun and fred were fighting the vamps and gun pulled an arrow out of one vamp's chest while it was dusting and stabbed it into another and i was like damn good gun i love it and then fred (laughs) renamed the powers that be to the powers that screw you which by the way is apt you know i mean yeah exactly so yeah god well i loved i loved gun's rant on connor Uh where he's like offspring of two vampires last time i checked that's not supposed to happen and jumping off a six story without busting your coconut kind of sways me to the side of not just a boy yeah like oh my god it is adorable and i i do love gun gun has i have a couple of issues with gun mm-hmm. you know throughout the run of these two episodes but i love that i thought it was so cute yeah i do too and and i was really like cheering when fred tasered connor like <laughs> oh hell yeah i mean she's got anger issues and they are on fucking point. yes i was like yes go fred yep yeah yep. and i had very few things to stake um but the mm-hmm. biggest thing i need to stake is connor And it's not the evil Connor that I want to stake Mm -hmm. because him locking Angel in that crate is great storytelling. But Connor, the 
petulant, obnoxious, manipulative, lying, using, whiny, pouty teenager. I want to stake with all the stakes. Right. And here's the thing. Like all of this stuff, what Connor did, all of this stuff, like I think you can you can get away with the motions of the narrative, you know, that Connor does these things, whatever. What bugs me is that Connor does not display in any way like any sense of an internal conflict over what he did, any sense of doubt, any sense of guilt or shame mm-hmm. over what he did to Fred and Gunn all summer. Yeah. Um, and that's honestly like, I think that's why Connor is so despised, right? Because one of the things I talk about in like, you know, when I do my writing workshops and everything is how important vulnerability is mm. in characters that without vulnerability, um, we can't connect to them, right? And so here we have Connor who's done all these terrible things. I mean, let's look at Wesley and let's look at Connor, right? Wesley kept a woman in a closet <laughs> with a bucket, right? Terrible, terrible thing. I mean, granted, we hate her, but still on its face, terrible, terrible thing, right? You know, Wesley's done some bad shit, okay? Um, But Wesley has real vulnerability in the way that he loves, you know? Like, even here, like, even in this episode where he's being all snarky and tough and I'm fresh out and, like, all that kind of stuff, the fact that he loves, like, uh, fear, identity, love, and shame are the four sources of vulnerability for a character. And love for Wesley is so strong. And in the moment when um, Angel reaches out and grabs his throat, you know, like you can see that in everything with him, there's that vulnerability there. And he went to save Angel, you know, even though Angel hates him, even though Angel tried to kill him, you know, Um, he goes anyway because he loves him. And love is a huge source of vulnerability. You flip that and Connor has been spending all summer with these, you know, like essentially adoptive parents, you know, with Fred and Gunn, mm-hmm. right? They have been suffering. They have been um, heartbroken and sad. And, and we see him working with them. You know, he kills the the vampire that may be a lead without, you know, I mean, it's a vampire. Fine. But I mean, that might be he kills their lead, you know, right. and lies to them about it. And you don't see and like all of this, honestly, you don't even need to change the script. Just change the performance. Yes. Show us something in Connor where Connor is genuinely like freaked out about this stuff that he's he's conflicted about it. Like if you show us that in any way, even in subtle little ways, if you show that like if we had a moment where he was missing Angel. You know, and you could see that conflict within him, right? And in the moment when Angel says, I didn't kill your father, you know, and he tells him everything that happened, how Justine killed him with the ice pick and all this kind of stuff. To see something from Connor mm-hmm. that is, is you know, regret, yeah. that is, you know, shame, like to see that from him would be so wonderful. And yet we completely missed that opportunity. And had there been some regret, some shame, some sadness, some some sorrow, you know, an apology for Fred and Gunn mm-hmm. because of what he did. Like any of that would have gone so far to making Connor a character that you can care about. Absolutely. You know, but he's just such a little shit. Oh, he's, Nobody yeah, cares. Yeah, he is the worst. But yeah, even down to, you know, Fred is taking such amazing care of Connor. And she is so tormented, right? She's taken on all this burden, all yeah. this responsibility. He knows it. He sees it. And he mm-hmm. still lets her cut the crust off his sandwiches and yeah. bring him snacks without a moment uh, yeah. of conflict. And I'm like, you are yeah. such a little shit. Like, it, like and he, if he was trying to do stuff for her, yeah. if he was like, let me do that. Let me take care of you a little right. bit. Like if there was 
anything from Connor that showed any sense of a human soul in there. Which, by the way, I have my doubts. Oh, right. Yeah, you know? me too. I mean, yeah, it's just it's yeah, awful. it's awful. And and some of the stuff with Fred and Gunn went in my staking section, not mm-hmm. really because of them so much. I think it's more of a reflection on Connor um, mm-hmm. because they're trying so hard to take care of Connor. And I do appreciate that, you know, mm-hmm. but the way that Connor hates Gunn for being hard on him and the way Fred mm-hmm. babies him, it just drives me crazy. And yeah. Fred and Gunn fighting about going to Wesley Mm-hmm. Also bothered me because, you know, when it's good enough for Gunn, he goes to Wes. But right. then he's so bossy with Fred about not going mm-hmm. back to Wes, you know? Yeah. And right, because it's not like he says, look, I don't think it's a good idea. It's just going to cause more pain or something. Like if he spoke to her in a way that was like respectful of the idea, but saying, I'm not sure that's a really good idea. And they were having a discussion. That's one mm-hmm. thing. But he just shuts her down. Yeah. He just says no. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then he says, you know, Wesley doesn't give a damn about us. And Fred says, well, have we given him a reason to? And I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, that's a valid question. Yeah, it's a fair point. And, mm-hmm. But Connor's just blatant manipulation of the two of them makes me sick. Like he's setting them up yeah. against each other. Um, yeah. They obviously still cannot remember that this kid has vampire hearing. So he listens yes. in, you know, on all their conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when he pushes back so hard against Gunn, you know, Fred's like, he's testing you with Angel Gone. You're the alpha male. And I was like, oh, God, spare me this shit. Oh, my God. You know, and the alpha male is just it's not about the alpha male. His father is gone. Both of them, mm-hmm. you know, and Gunn is a father figure. Yeah. It's not about alpha male. It's about a father figure. And like, if you're going to talk about it that way, you know, but the alpha male, the idea that whoever's the the roughest, toughest guy in town is the one that Connor's going to challenge. I mean, I don't know. It's just it, it, it was an annoying little bit of phrasing. Yeah, it did. Um, and then, of course, you know, Fred and Gunn's reaction to Wesley and Fred accusing him of not caring anymore. I was like, yeah, just because he's not sticking around to do what you want doesn't like don't after he brought back angel the guy that you've been searching for for three months right a thank you and an oh my god you know like an acknowledgement right you know yeah yeah it would have gone a really long way to help but yeah all that stuff with connor it just bothers me and obviously Mm -hmm. he brings out the worst of the people around him because fred and gun also (laughs) yeah are not great when they're with connor really not Yeah, and there were a couple of things here, too, that kind of just didn't sit right with Mm -hmm. me. You know, they're just like little tiny things, but they're still kind of annoying. Like, um, we have Fred in a number of instances as a running joke in this episode using bits of, like, African-American vernacular. You know, when she's like, can I say dog? You know, and all this kind of stuff. You know you can't say that. Like, um, and, you know, whatever, but it's a little bit weird. It just feels like a flat joke you know and so when they go into the lair to look for the vampire who knew what happened angel was a witness Mm -hmm. you know they're talking about how gross it is and that if you're dead it doesn't matter and then gun says well that's another reason to stay pink and rosy yeah right and i'm like you know that's weird because it's a knee-jerk association of of being alive with being you know white because not everyone who's alive and human is pink and rosy you know and yeah and so that felt that felt weird and it felt like you know it's the presumptive writing of a white writer mm-hmm. you know i mean that's just like what are you gonna do that's what it is yeah. um but but it all it all felt weird and it felt like 
I don't know, like a, a almost dismissive way, like the the joke with the vernacular and then this, it just feels like this dismissive way of like acknowledging, yeah, you know, guns black, we're just going to, you know, throw that in there. We just didn't want, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's just, it's so weird. Yeah. And I, I didn't care for any of that. It's just, it's just, it's, 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 it's a fairly small thing. It wasn't a huge part of the episode, but it was just a couple of those things that seriously clunked. Yeah, me. It, it clunked for me too. And, and speaking of dismissing, um, I also yes. wanted to stake this nonsense with Lorne. Because yeah. obviously something is wrong. Like, right. Lauren would not just ignore dozens of calls from them. And then he says, make sure Fluffy's getting enough love. And they have yes. this weird joke like, is something on me, Fluffy? Because that would be inappropriate. Oh, I'm like, okay, first yes. of all, I have a fairly dirty mind. And <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Like, that's not even a joke uh, that I uh, would make. Oh, I know exactly what that means. You know I mean, what I means? know what it means, but I'm like, that's not... <laughs> The uh, go-to uh, that you would, uh, you know, like if you're going to make that yeah, joke. Yeah, not with Lauren saying yeah, it. I mean, Lauren not... is clearly not that. He doesn't say stuff like that. So if he says something like that, then that's, you know. But I think that, like, from, like, you know, from the metatextual, like, I think the writer thought that was a funny line that could be weird for Lauren to say, but also could vaguely refer to, you know, Fred masturbating or whatever, you yeah, know. But, um, but really, so, like, yeah. I uh, yeah, no, it's, it's so it's dumb. weird. And I'm it's like, weird and it's awkward and it's And it's good. coming yeah. from Lorne. Like, right. surely Clearly they would have picked up help. on the fact that something's wrong. Right. I, I, right. I, I, what? I don't know. So I, mm-hmm. I just had to stake that because it annoyed me. Um, mm-hmm. But that was it for staking. Because yeah. I mm-hmm. love this episode. Um, it is so and good. And it opened up some good research questions. Mm-hmm. So the biggest one is around this whole theme of getting what we deserve because they hit this hard. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Wesley tells Justine, we all get what we deserve. Connor says about Angel, he got what we deserved. And Fred asks, well, how mm-hmm. long until we deserved it? You mm-hmm. know, and Connor tells Angel to his face, you got what you deserved. Um, you know, and Angel's like, well, what I deserve is up for debate. But what you deserve depends on whether or not you did something to Cordy. Right. And mm-hmm. and I guess I kind of operate with the philosophy of may we all be spared from getting everything we really deserve. <laughs> right. But it really made me wonder, like, what does Angel deserve and why? And in a show mm-hmm. where the moral compass is a shade of gray at best, mm-hmm. how do you determine justice and vengeance in terms of what people deserve? And is that the role of a champion at all? Yeah. You know, and I don't know the answer to that, but this isn't really about delivering justice so much as it is yeah, about helping the help. Justice and vengeance. Right. Justice and vengeance are two different things. And, you know, Angel talks about that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's like, he's like wishing for vengeance is one thing, but delivering it is another, mm-hmm. you know. And it's really true. I mean, you know, like um, in the Buffy podcast, like when I was doing the, the last two seasons of Buffy on, on the Still Pretty Video mm-hmm. uh, podcast, um, I was talking about um, Anya and vengeance versus justice, yeah. you know, and that like justice is something different from vengeance. And vengeance is something that you exact, but it has a splashback effect, you know, like what the vengeance you exact comes back on you you know because that's not justice and and the idea too of people getting what they deserve um you know is a complicated idea because really what do people deserve right you know and it's it's my personal feeling that like if you're a person who does bad things to people you can never escape 
what you've done because you're you. Now, there are people who need to be put in jail because they're a danger to society. Right. Like that's, you know, but the idea like of, of vengeance, you know, um, of like, you know, like honestly for me, the death penalty, mm-hmm. the death penalty is vengeance. Nothing you do is going to bring it back. It's not going to make it right. It's not going to make the people that were murdered unmurdered. It's not going to do any right. of that. It is just vengeance. And I think it is an absolute moral wrong, you know, um, but but justice, you know, is like somebody murders somebody, you put them in jail, right. you know, you keep everybody safe from them. But like the way that we treat prisoners, you know, in this country, I'm sorry, all of a sudden I'm getting political, <laughs> I don't know, but you know, like as a thing, like I think that, that the way that we treat prisoners, the way that we create this, this, you know, highly incarcerated population for lots of things that are not, not really, it's not really fair to put people like addicts in prison, mm-hmm. you know, um, that there are a lot of things that, that need to be dealt with, but we have these harsh sentences, these excessive sentences that we can incarcerate all of these people. Um, and that's, that's about vengeance and it's also about let's not forget you know the the um the big business that is private prisons uh, i'm just yeah. going off but anyway well, long story short that has a moral splashback effect on the people who exact that kind of vengeance and um and i think that that is something that you have to think about when you're talking about justice versus vengeance because they are not the same thing yeah and and exacting either without yeah. the same level of humanity that you, you know, like if you're operating in a space where you're claiming justice or you're claiming vengeance and you've left yeah. basic humanity at the door, then yeah. you're out of, you're out of line. And like, you're not, mm-hmm. you're not improving anything. You're not actually helping anyone yeah. except maybe slaking some anger or, you know, making mm-hmm. some money in the case of our privatized prison system. But exactly. it just, it, mm-hmm. it just seems like an interesting question and they keep using this language you know, over and mm-hmm. over and over again. And and I can see how Connor being raised the way that he was raised, how that becomes this. He's trying to make this a very black and white question. And mm-hmm. it's not right. a black and white question. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't know. And I don't really know what to do with it, except I think the show is raising the question in ways they haven't before. So yeah. I just want to keep thinking about it. Um, but then like another gray area I guess for me was Wesley not telling Fred and Gunn about Connor and he says right. well you're mm-hmm. human so he wouldn't have hurt you I thought you were safer not knowing and I'm like I right. don't know that Connor follows the you're human so I won't hurt you rule yeah. I don't know if that's true yeah I'm not sure that relying on Connor's moral compass is really necessarily the way to go yeah. in this circumstance yeah. um and I think I think that Wesley didn't tell them because he I don't think he wanted to talk to them. Yeah. I think that it was just too hurtful. I think that he was doing this and he was looking for Angel and he figured if he found him, he'd deal with it then. But if he didn't find them, then he doesn't, you know, need to contact them. And I think it was just avoidance, you know, from Wesley. I think it was just too painful to to deal with them. And if they had known and they had tipped Connor off, which I mean, let's face it, they would have had a conversation where he could hear them. Oh, yeah. Oh, then yeah. he might have killed them to keep his secret secret. Yeah. So Wesley might yeah. have had a point in terms of them being mm-hmm. safer, not knowing. But I don't right. know that I think Connor would be like, oh, you're human, so I won't hurt you. I don't think he got that part of the angel onboarding, like, yeah. orientation yeah, no, program. I don't think he did. Right. So I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. But then we get we get this great sort of, 
I don't know if it's a revision or an update or like a new iteration of Angel's mission statement. But before, mm-hmm. you know, he had said, when nothing matters, then all that matters is what you do. Right. Um, and mm-hmm. I think I actually like this one better um, mm-hmm. in terms of where the show is now. That he yeah. tells Connor, nothing in the world is the way it ought to be. It's harsh and cruel, but that's why there's us champions. It doesn't matter where we come from, what we've done or suffered, or even if we make a difference. We live as though the world were as it should be to show it what it can be. Mm-hmm. And and that, to me, was really amazing because it zones in on intention over outcome. Yes. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if we succeed. We're trying to show yeah. the world what it should be. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that's like this growth in Angel, because sometimes when you parent, you have to try to do it that way. Like, yes, yeah. the world sucks, but here's how we could behave in this situation or here's what we could do for each other. Right. Um, but I just really like this. You know, we live... Uh, we live as though the world were as it should be to show it what it can be because we mm-hmm. do show each other, right? That, that action of the yeah. way we show love, we mm-hmm. do show that to each other. Um, and yeah. it just really struck me as, as moving and deep. Um, and mm-hmm. then he tells Connor, you know, you're not part of that yet, but I hope you will be. I love you now. Yeah. Get out. And <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> Love it. Now get out of get my out. house. <laughs> and and some very smart people in the discourse chat have raised the question, like, was it right for Angel to kick Connor out? And I don't mm-hmm. know the answer to that. Um, yeah. I don't know how I would react to my kid locking me in a crate and throwing me at the bottom of the ocean. I'm guessing I'd lose my temper. But <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. and yeah. He, he's sending Connor out without a guide and without and he says, I hope you'll be part of it. But I don't know how he expects Connor to find his way there or if he just has. Yeah. Like, what is Connor supposed to do? Like, and is he enrolled in school? I don't think so. Like, (laughs) I mean, like, doesn't this kid need to, like, go to school or get an education or a high school diploma or something? Like, I don't know what holds Connor. I I mean, I guarantee you it's the old man, (laughs) you know? Um he learned how to read on a scroll. Like, I don't know. Exactly. And, and I, so, Did all this stuff in a suit. Yeah. So I yeah. kept thinking about this. I was like, okay, what mm-hmm. what could have been done for Connor? And the right. only person mm-hmm. that I could think of sending Connor to was Giles. Mm-hmm. But there's this right. small problem oh, yeah. that Angel killed Giles' girlfriend and then tortured him. So I don't know that Giles would be in much of a fostering mood. Oh, I think Giles is over that by now. <laughs> but if he had done that, if he had sent Connor yeah. away to someone. Yeah. Sent, or sent him to the Watcher's right, Council. Right, right. Or something. You know, or sent him to. I mean, think right, of. Because they fight vampires. Yeah. That's what Connor is good at and wants to do. He could, you know, I don't know that I'd make him no. a Watcher eventually, but he could like work he for the Watchers. Something. But like, think of, think yeah. of the, the way that they. Um, Oh, God, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Uh, think of the way that they re- rehabilitated Willow when she, yeah. you know, she mm-hmm. tried right. to end the world. Mm-hmm. Like, that's yeah. that's even mm-hmm. bigger than locking Angel in a crate and throwing him in the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. But Connor, yeah. it's more of like, okay, just get out, which I understand. But how does he expect Connor to then find his way back without some kind of guide? 
Right. Well, not to mention the fact, and we see this in the next episode, Wolferman Hart mm-hmm. wants Connor. Like, Wolferman Hart is clearly going to snap this right. kid up if he's out in the world unprotected. And so I think that, you know, sending Connor, like, and this would have been my preference, sending Connor to England so we never see yes. him again. Like, I think that that would have been really nice. But yeah, like, just throwing him out into the street, mm-hmm. um, you know, is not something that you do to a kid. Like, I don't care what they've done. Like, you can't just throw them out into the street. You've got to make sure that they've got whatever it is that they need. And I understand him saying, like, you can't, you know, you don't have to can't go home. Here. You can't <laughs> sit here, right? Uh, because, because he's betrayed Fred and right. Gunn, because he's betrayed Angel. Like, I can see him sending him away, but sending him away not to someone. I send them to Anne. Yes. Anne's got a whole shelter. She takes care of yeah. kids. Like, Anne, and those kids could be good mm-hmm. for Connor. Anne you know? would be good for Connor. Um, yeah. yeah, like yeah. something, and I, and I guess, you know, like, but like this Yeah, that is was weird. my parental reaction is mm-hmm. like, I understand. I mean, what Connor did was horrible, but how you yeah. expect a kid to find their way to good without a guide, I just don't yeah. know how that's possible, you know? So, right. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, but then right after that, he kicks Connor out and then he collapses. And, you know, oh, Fred says, know. you need rest. And Angel says, I need Cordy. And I think, is yeah. that the first time that we've heard Angel say he needs someone, right? He says he mm-hmm. sought Darla for 100 years. He was like, no, yeah. I sought her, mm-hmm. you know, and he always mm-hmm. kept saying how he needed to find Connor when Connor mm-hmm. was a baby. And he loved Buffy, but he doesn't yeah. say, I need to find Cordy. He says, I need Cordy. And I'm like, yeah. is that a different kind of love or is it something else? But it's. I, it just mm-hmm. really struck me as a different expression from Angel. That yeah, it I is. don't know that we've heard it before. Is. Yeah, no, that is. It's interesting because he. You're right. Like that's not the way that he expresses himself because he is always, and has always been right. separate. You know, even with yes. Buffy. You know, like he was with her, but he, he loved her, but he kept it. He's yeah. separate. You know. Um. So yeah, no, that's really yeah. interesting. So I don't know, but it's such a good episode. Oh, oh, it a is a good episode. episode. So with that, I'll brood. Deep Down is a watcher because of Wesley. That's all I got. No, okay, fine. <laughs> it's a watcher because Angel is rescued and returned to his friends. Connor is revealed as the cause of Angel's disappearance and kicked out of the Hyperion. Lila is promoted to head of special projects after she cuts off Linwood's head. Gavin is scared silly, which delights me to no end. <laughs> Gavin needs new shorts. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Justine is finally out of the picture. And Yay! Dark Wesley is amazing in his full dark glory. Oh, and Team man. Angel all think that Cordelia is still missing, but really, Cordy's a higher power and she's bored now. But honestly, Dark Willow wore it better. All right, so now we finish one episode that I love and we move into another episode that I love. So you want to take us into Ground State? You bet. In Ground State, Fred, Gunn, and Angel have to clear out Cordelia's apartment, but Angel hasn't given up on finding her. He goes to Wesley and tries to offer up a truce, but Wesley gives him everything he's got on Cordelia, no strings attached, and tells Angel he needs to see a mystery named Dinza in order to find out how to find Cordelia. 
Wesley and Lila continue to have hot, dirty, dark people sex, and it doesn't move the narrative forward, but no one cares. Denza tells Angel that to find what is lost, he must get the Axis of Pythia, which is being held at an auction house about to go up for bid. While Angel, Fred, and Gunn are awkwardly pulling off the heist, a professional with electrical powers named Gwen is two steps ahead. She kills Gunn with her electrical zapping powers, then revives Gunn with the same, and then takes off with the Axis. Angel goes to Lila to find out who bought the Axis, and when he gets to the building, there's Gwen. The two fight it out, she zaps Angel thoroughly and manages to restart his heart, at which point he immediately kisses her because, sure, whatever. The bad guy who had Gwen steal the Axis tries to kill them both with toxic gas, but the joke's on him because Angel's a vampire. Angel gets them both out, beats up the guy's goons, and then knocks him out and takes the Axis. When he uses it, he discovers that Cordy is a higher being, all happy and watching down on them from heaven or the higher dimension or Narnia or whatever it is. Angel decides to let Cordy go to her higher purpose, but from Narnia, Cordy shouts for him to get her out of there. Ground State aired on October 13th, 2002. It was directed by Michael Grossman and written by Mayor Smith. All right. So, Dr. Jones, on the perfect happiness scale, stake this at zero, lost your soul at six. Where do you land with Ground State? I gave this a 5.5. It could so Mm -hmm. closely be a six because Gwen! 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 Oh, my God, I love her. Oh, she is one of my all-time favorite characters, and I love this episode. Yes. And probably if it wasn't for those last lines with Cordelia and Angel just accepting her ascension as going home, this would be a six for me. (laughs) <laughs> well, for me, it's a five, which is Woo-hoo! solid, you know, Yeah. Uh, with the exception of tailoring Gwen to the adolescent male gaze, which we will discuss, and mm-hmm. the annoying Cordelia subversion smash at the end. This is really a great episode. I mean, Gwen is engaging and fantastic and deserves her own damn show. Yes. Angel's hunt for Cordy that leads him to trying to reconnect with Wesley is wonderful and heartbreaking. And Wesley and Lila are dark and lovely. And there's very little Connor, which is really <laughs> kind of what you need to make an episode good. The less Connor, the better the episode. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of just wanted to like throw flowers at Mayor Smith's feet. I know. For writing I this. Love, <laughs> I love this episode. Um, so I have a lot of moments of perfect happiness in this. Of course, I have to start with Wesley and Lila. I know people are going to start to get annoyed. They're going to be like, are all your moments of happiness about Wesley? Yes. Yes, yes. they are. That's just how it's going to be from here on out. So just accept it. All right. So Wesley and Lila, I love that Wesley has got a new crew which I absolutely love. He's got a whole group and it's awesome. And they're doing this thing and they're doing the work, you know, I mean, clearing the place out. He slices the demon. (laughs) It slices, it dices, it julienne's fries. Um, (laughs) And and they're all fighting. And Wesley yells, Jones, ground sweep, left flank. And I was like, I'm coming, Wesley. I'll be right there. (laughs) I'll be right there, baby. (laughs) And I love Angel steps in. And he's like, need help. And Wesley is looking at him over the sliced body of the demon. He's like, nope, I'm good. Thanks. Yeah, you know, great. Um, and it's so sweet because Angel clearly, you know, and Wesley knows it. Angel is clearly there because he wants information about Cordelia. Mm-hmm. But you can also see that he's like, awkwardly trying to reconnect with Wesley and he's like I just want you to know as far as I'm concerned we're okay again you know and the thing is is that that's great Angel but Wesley clearly is not okay like he loves you he'll save your life he'll open a vein for you but he doesn't exactly want to talk to you right now like he's Mm -hmm. still mad you know Um, and then he just gives him 
everything, or Wesley just gives Angel everything on Cordelia, knowing that's what Angel wanted, and giving it to him freely, no strings attached, none of this, we gotta be friends, you wanna find Cordelia, I had a dead end that only the unliving can go past, so there you go, this is what I got. And again, it's that pure expression of love. He's got nothing to gain, he could do a fuck you to, to Angel and say, do your own goddamn research, right? But he doesn't, like, he's not interested in you know the big sweeping reunion scene at this point Mm -hmm. like he's still upset he's still hurt you know but at the same time he still loves angel and he's not gonna you know be petty and shitty about it and i just i love that i thought that was so nice and so sweet and so sad like when angel's talking to him and he just walks away he's like i gave you what you need you know You yeah. figure it out. Mm-hmm. Well, and I've been thinking a lot about love languages. Um, yeah. And Noelle LaCroix and I talked about this on our podcast, Orgasm. And I'm mm-hmm. like, Wesley's love language is clearly active service. Yes. Like, You're at yes. the bottom of the ocean. I will come get you. You're yes. starving. I will cut open my own arm for you. Mm-hmm. You need this information on Cordelia. I will do the research. Yeah. But don't come to me with these petty little words and act like that makes everything better. Yes. And I just love that. (laughs) I know. I love that whole thing. It's just, it's so heartbreaking. And the love story between Wesley and Angel is honestly one of my favorite love stories. I really, really love that. Um, But one of my favorite, you know, kind of love stories, Wesley and Lila, (laughs) because, oh my God, Lila doesn't care that Wesley had a woman locked up in his closet the whole time. And I mean, of course she doesn't, but Lila doesn't care. I know. (laughs) She doesn't. Care at all. Oh my God. And then while they're doing this, like, you know, dirty foreplay talk, and he's like, I had to raise him. Angel is necessary. She goes, For what? And he goes, Fighting people like you. I know. And I love that they're like stopping to kiss each other in between yes. these great oh lines, my you know? God, I and, know. And Lila's flat out telling him, you know, she's like, yeah. I'm going to seduce Connor. And it's the- <laughs> like, I don't need to hear your evil plans. And Lila's like, no, it turns you on just knowing I have them. And I'm like, oh, my God. It's so great. It is so great. (laughs) Shut up, Lila. Make me. Oh, God. That's also one of my favorite lines ever. It's so good. Oh, my God. It's so fantastic. I absolutely love it. And so while that is my favorite scene with Lila in it, we have two scenes. And the second one is is a darn close number two. Mm -hmm. When Angel comes to see her, you know, while she's watching Connor. Um, And she's like, let me guess. You're just going to bird dog the kid until he gets weepy and pulls a prodigal. (laughs) Yeah. And she's like, I know you've been out of the loop for a while. I don't do errands unless they're evil errands. And then (laughs) I love the fact that he's like, well, how about this? For just this once and just this once, I'm going to ignore the fact that you're within 50 yards of my kid, you know? Yeah. And the threat in that is so clear. I mean, oh, my God. I absolutely love it. And then when (laughs) when he's walking away, he's like, you know what I find interesting? The fact that I can smell you and Wesley all over each other. (laughs) Which I think is so fantastic. I just love it. I think it's so great. And Lila's catching all kind of hell for sleeping with Wesley. I just know. Delightful. And how can anybody blame her? I mean, I mean it's right. Like, come on. Yeah. But I love her when she's like, look, Angel, I'm still evil. And it reminded me so much of Spike. <laughs> oh, he's like, right. How often do I have to tell you tell people you that people, I'm evil? I'm evil. <laughs> And I got such a kick out of, you know, I mean, Lila's clearly stalking Connor. Yeah. And Angel just comes up and he's like, did you miss me? Still knocking him dead at Wolfram and Hart. (laughs) 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 
And I really love that Angel is checking on Connor, even though yeah. Connor is still awful. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's sweet. I really like the fact that we only see Connor from a distance. And yes. then um, he great. doesn't say anything. So I'm like, okay, this is how you include Connor in an episode. Just exactly. keep him at a distance. Shut him up. You know? That's right. Um, but yeah, no, I love that. And this is exactly the power structure that we should have had all along. I mean, I love that Lila worked her way up. I mean, okay clawed her way up <laughs> the ladder <laughs> um but now she's the top dog there you know mm-hmm. and she's the one that he's dealing with and i just absolutely love that i think that's great um but of course like in ground state you gotta love gwen i mean it's okay it's weird it's a weird thing we've got all this intense like stuff going on these storylines that have been continuing everything and we open with this girl in 1985 who accidentally electrocutes her buddy you know (laughs) it's a little weird that we do that because there's so much and like having that history there was Mm -hmm. a little weird because it informs a moment later in the episode but like do we really need that informing we just have her feel guilty and you know revive gun whatever um but i love this whole thing i love gwen gwen is absolutely fantastic i love it when she sits down with the guy and she's like hey you're trying to stiff me on my commission (laughs) she's like say it with me commission and then when he starts talking down to her and oh my god that guy is such a classic businessman douche like he's just the worst yeah and she's like blah blah polysyllabic blah you know she's making her point And then when she takes this watch and melts it, he's like, that's a $12,000 watch. And she's like, now it's surrealism. (laughs) I was like, oh, I love that. And at that point, I'm like, I don't even, I'm watching her and I'm so entranced with her and so interested in her that I'm like, I don't even care this is an episode of Angel. I want this to be an episode of whatever Gwen's show is. You know, yes. <laughs> like the, oh my the God. pilot for yes. the Gwen show. That's yes. what this should have been. It's so good. It's so good. All I want now is Gwen's own show. I like, know. I, I know. love her so much. I'm like, every time she comes on screen, all I can hear is the background song for Lady in Red. Oh, yeah. But no, she's her so walk on music is so mm-hmm. good. And her yes. gloves and her hair and the attitude yes. and the snark and her discretion. Like, oh, my God. I love this character. <laughs> no end. <laughs> it is so, so great. And I love her extreme competence. Mm-hmm. Like when they're both doing the heist, right? And then Gwen comes in and she's light touch. She does everything perfectly. She knows exactly what she's doing. And she makes makes Angel and Gunn and Fred look like a bunch of ham-fisted donuts, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's so great. I mean, I love how how cool she is and how good she is at what she does. Mm-hmm. And I love it when she's like, I'm fibbing. It's lying, only classier. <laughs> <I know. laughs> and when Angel's standing behind her and she can't see him in the mirror... Yeah, she's she's not freaked out at all. She's not scared. Mm-hmm. She's like, okay, after I kick your ass, I'm going to ask you about that. Right? <laughs> she's just so fantastic. And I love that she can hold her own with Angel. I mean, that's a big thing. Yeah. You know, I oh, mean, yeah. it's really good. Um, So I absolutely love that, you know, and then when she kills Gunn, you know, mm-hmm. she electrocutes Gunn. Gunn's dead on the floor, you know, Um, 
And we have this moment, and this is the reason why we had the, the, uh, the opening from 1985 in the beginning, so that we could see a flashback of her guilt for, like, you know, knocking her little buddy, you know, 20 feet to the air or whatever. Um, and that's why she revives Gun. But I think that it would have been more interesting to just see a look of, like, guilt on her face. And she's like, get out of the way. And then she just brings him back to life. Like, yeah. that, I think was a nice moment for her unnecessary that we've got that whole thing at the beginning like you know i just don't think that's necessary but um but i love that we have that moment where we see her humanity you know this is the kind of thing that perhaps might have been helpful with connor a moment of regret perhaps (laughs) trying to make it right that's how it's done and i love how she's like just like starting a chevy and she just zaps him back to life and and like and i know like i know angel loves cordy and i know cordy loves angel and i'm i'm all about it but i ship angel and gwen so hard and when they're fighting and she's like i don't usually enjoy hand-to-hand this much and angel's like maybe you haven't been doing it right and i'm like okay stop I just need like a yes. total side story of the two of them because this delights me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's absolutely delightful. And the thing is, is that honestly, I ship Gwen and Angel more than I ship Angel and Cordy. Because at this point, like I liked Angel and Cordy, but they've just done so much damage to yeah. that whole thing that like at this point, I don't care. But I don't particularly, and I'll get to that in the stake list. I don't particularly care for it in this context of yeah. he's so in love with Cordy. He's trying to do this thing and then he suddenly kissed her. But we'll talk about that in a second um but before i get to my stakes i really want to talk a little bit about fred because Uh i love fred i love fred in this whole thing um i love her anger with connor you know it's righteous he betrayed her i love the fact that we're not making fred you know all well you know we should forgive and it should be good she's no she's pissed and i like her angry Mm -hmm. she has a right to be angry you know and then oh my god her little drawings on her presentation (laughs) were the most adorable things i loved them i loved them all especially when angel's in the corner sketching everything in such perfect detail and and she keeps looking at him like she's like i can't compete with this like what the hell show me up i worked hard on this she's like i haven't slept charles i haven't slept <laughs> I know she's so funny. <laughs> she goes, I'm still working on a plan, but so far it ends in being sent to prison and becoming somebody's bitch. <laughs> she gave it a lot of thought. <laughs> she did give it a lot of thought. It was very sweet. But then, like, after Gun dies and is brought mm-hmm. back, and they go to, you know, they go back to the Hyperion, and um, he's being a complete and total douche, you know. Um, she has this scene where she's like, I am so sick of holding everything up around here. First Wesley leaves, then Angel, then Cordy. I'm sick of taking care of everything and paying bills and making peace and plans and keeping my chin up. God, I'm so sick of my chin being up, you know? And I'm like, okay, like, I'm sorry. Clearly this was written by a woman who understands women. Yes. <laughs> that is not like, I mean, you take out some of the specifics, but that like as a general thing is something that like almost every woman I'm, I know has felt at some point or another, you oh, know, yeah. it just becomes too much. And I love her, her whole thing. I love her anger. I love everything. So Fred in this is fantastic. Yeah, she is. And she made a really good point. She was like, mm-hmm. I thought when Angel came back, it would be different. Right. But here I am running this damn heist. Like, I, you know, and Angel's like, oh, I really appreciate how Fred stepped up. It reminds me of Cordy. And I'm like, and look how that turned out for Cordy. Exactly. Look what it did to Cordy. Yeah. Crying out loud. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, yeah, it was, yeah, it was good to see Fred with this very honest expression of just, 
you get overwhelmed. Yeah, you know, absolutely. You have to do everything for everybody mm-hmm. and do it with a smile on your face. Yes. Like, and that yes. is the kind of thing that rolls downhill to women generally. Yes. Like generally, that is the kind of thing that's expected of women. Sacrifice all, keep the family together, do all the things that are required from that and smile, baby. You look pretty. Right. You know, um, yeah. So it's it's really really tough, and I like that a lot. And then, of course, on the other side of the smile, you look pretty is the mystery Dinza. <laughs> <laughs> I actually who, liked her. Who I love. Oh, no, good. <laughs> I loved her. I loved her. She was so cool. She, you know, the way she would like tease Angel and then fly away, and you'd hear this thing and you could never see her, and she'd sneak up. She was so cool and so interesting. I mean, she was crypt keeper. You know, yeah. like she's very crypt keeper esque. You know, mm-hmm. um, but she's so incredibly awesome. And like, I love this idea about the, you know, I know you were lost. I know all the lost things. Like, yeah. I love that. I think that that's so cool. She is far from you, champion, and needs you no longer. And then he just says, I need her. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. I mean, I love that. I love that. And I really loved her in the idea of like a, a guardian or a keeper of all yeah. the lost things there's like this episode there's so much they could have continued with that would have been great i love tinza yeah i did too and i and when she said to angel do you miss the sound of the waves yeah i thought you know that's actually a really valid question yeah because being trapped like that is horrible Mm -hmm. and obviously his hallucinations were a torment yeah but you have to wonder sometimes is it easier to just be in the crate and right all, to not you know, have anything to do. To not have anything to do, and it was no such responsibilities. A, a good time to contrast, think. Yeah, yeah with mm-hmm. that break that Fred is having. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. Do you miss the sound of the waves, and I just thought that was brilliant. I really, yeah. really liked her. I thought she. It was, was very cool. Yeah, that was like she the was best beautifully built oracle character. Oh yeah, by oh, far. Yeah. And especially because she has mystical knowledge, but in a very tight space. It is lost things. Right. Right. So, I mean, that I love, you know, because the thing with the oracles is like, we know everything, but we're not going to tell you. We're going to talk in riddles and dress in togas and just look weird. You know, like, I mean, it's whatever. But this (laughs) this actually like this character, this this idea actually has some weight. Mayor Smith is fantastic. She really is. Mayor Smith is fantastic. Fantastic. Um, but I do have some things to stake mm-hmm. in this episode. One of them being uh, Gwen and the male gaze, because mm-hmm. that leather, the red leather, like, I don't mind the outfit so much as the way we shoot her. Mm-hmm. You know, like, there is a, there is a, a very, sp- go look it up, people who don't know what to talk about, there is a very specific way of framing women in shots that is male gazy, right? So it's not that you can't have women wearing tight clothing, you know, and I mean, you know, she's she's got a lot of athletic stuff to do. Again, why it has to be leather, why it has to be, like, so skin tight, you know, that's an argument, that's a discussion to be had. Uh, she looks great in it, so, I mean, there is that. Yeah. Um but it is so incredibly, it's like this big, disgusting chef kiss to the male gaze. And I just like in that in that scene where she's walking in to meet the douchebag, you know, in the restaurant. Right. Um, we're just we're focused on her boobs, like we're focused on her body. We're not like paying attention to her face or her expressions or anything. And this actress is fantastic and the writing is amazing. And yet this is what we're doing. Like and I guess maybe you could say because we're in the perspective of the guy 
you know, that maybe, but that's not really it. It's just an excuse to shoot women like that. And it's just, it's really gross the way that we do it. And then the moment where Gwen starts Angel's heart up, Mm -hmm. you know, and then he immediately responds by kissing her passionately while he is basically, you know, in this obsessive search to find the axis of Pythia so that he can get the woman he loves back, mm-hmm. right? He's completely focused on Cordelia. And then it's like, oh, well, she's straddling him and she restarted his heart. So, of course, he has to, you know, kiss her passionately. No, just because she's a woman and she's beautiful doesn't mean that you get to grab her and freaking kiss her. And Angel knows that. He wouldn't do that. Like, that annoyed the hell out of me. I, I wish it had that. been the other way around. Oh, yeah. Because there's obviously chemistry between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And if and, she had kissed him, yeah. if that was the way that she brought him back, you know, like yeah. through her lips touch, <laughs> like I would not argue with that. But him grabbing and kissing her is just wrong in all the ways, yeah. you know? And her outfit, like part of me is like, ugh, male gaze. Yeah. Part of me is like, I love that she's defying the expectations of these, you know, super rich yeah. business guys that she's working for. Yes. He, you know, that ass hat. And first of all, I really, I was team Gwen when Angel was like, don't fry him. And I'm like, fry him, oh, baby. Yeah. He called you exactly. young lady. Like, give it. Exactly. Like, take him out. But he's, he's chastising her. You know, yeah. for how she's dressed and not being more and discreet. And how she speaks and, and how she's not professional. Yeah. Oh, God. And that kind of bullshit. I yeah. Swear and to so God. I kind of, I liked it in the idea that I got the sense that she chose it. Right. This is how she wants to present herself. And I liked it from that side. Um, yeah. No, it's the way she's shot. Yeah. But it's the camera. That's what bugs me. Yes. It's the camera movements. It's the camera angles. It's the way that they shoot her. It's the way that they treat her. Mm-hmm. Like, she is a piece of meat to that camera. And I freaking hate that because she is so much better than that. Oh, yeah. She's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So um, so that kind of pissed me off. Then Gunn pissed me off because fucking Gunn. Oh, yeah. Like, what the hell is this? Like, Fred's upset. He died. Right. She's like, you died and you let me. He's like, you know what? Just electrocute me now because I don't even know what kind of alien female thing. And I'm like, fuck you, gun. Yeah. Like she has every right (laughs) to be upset. And then to, you know, to say, just kill me now after Mm -hmm. she just went through that, you know, and then I don't know what kind of alien female thing. Yeah. Whatever. Back the fuck up, gun. Yeah. You know, like like it's it's like that thing when a woman gets upset, you know, she's hysterical, you know, when she gets angry, like, you know, that that women are, are supposed to be smiling and, you know, supportive and just, OK, honey, all the time, no matter what you do to them. And then if they complain, it's some kind of alien female thing. Yeah. No, yeah, he, was he so should have been slapped. Yep. Yeah. That was that really, really pissed me off. Yeah, me too. I was. I had a fuck you gun in my notes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. We both had it. Oh, my God. Um, all right. So we got research mode, mm-hmm. right? So yep. what did you have for research mode? Okay. So I'm really concerned about Phantom Dennis. Because yes. he has to be so worried and yeah. sad about Cordy. And then mm-hmm. they find out what happens to Cordy at the end. And I'm like, mm-hmm. does anyone go tell Dennis yeah. what happened to her? Because this is yet another character that the show just forgets about. Yeah. We're not going to see Dennis again. Mm-hmm. And and what happens to him? Right. You know, and I, I guess he just gets a new roommate and whatever. And whatever. But like, it just kind of breaks my heart that, that they, you know, I would have liked to have seen Fred go back and tell him. Yeah. Or have happened. a conversation with him or give yeah, him something. Something. You know, or, or go break down the wall. 
Yeah. Take his body and put it in the Hyperion. Yeah. Let him let him float some loofahs around the Hyperion for a while. I mean, you know, yeah. whatever. Right? Yeah. yeah. But it just, like, there there are multiple characters that we get to know yeah. and care about, and then they just disappear. Right. And the thing is, the ones you want to disappear, like Gru, <laughs> they bring him back and they tie up that storyline. I think if Gru had left and right about now, they were like, does anybody know what happened to Gru? Like, that I would have loved. <laughs> but we still don't know what happened to him. And then other characters that we wish yeah. would go away never go away. So, like, <laughs> Right. I know. What is up with that? Well, I had a research question about Cordelia mm-hmm. um, because here she is. You know, she's up in the clouds or whatever, um, which is all terrible. And I should, I meant to stake this, but you know, I mean, I staked it, uh, we staked it in the other one. I'm like, it's just a dual staking. Um, <laughs> but she's, she's up in the clouds. Um, she's a higher power, mm-hmm. right? So she must have, I don't know, what's it called? Like power, right? Of some <laughs> sort. Why is she just sitting up there glowing and yelling at Angel? Like, is there nothing that she can do? Like, she's a higher freaking power. There's got to be something. I, so, I don't know. That I, whole thing. And then if she's, if she's not, if she's absolutely, like, without any agency, then she's not a higher power. She's a prisoner. And instead of being like, oh, I'm so bored, you know, that's something you say when you have the option to leave, but you're just not leaving because of, like, some kind of obligation. When you're being held prisoner, you're like, hey, I can't get out of here. This is really scary. Come get me. Right? right. In which case, when he saw her, you know, with the axis of Pythia, he would have seen that she wasn't happy, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just like, she's just sort of floating on a cloud. Like, how is that anything that's ever going to, you know, fulfill Cordelia? So like the whole idea of like what they've got going on, this kind of, you know, um, subversion smash that we do, where like, we're expecting one thing and we get another, you know? I mean, it just, it drives me crazy. I hate the way we ended both of these episodes. Um, and I just don't understand why if she's, if she's a higher power, she can't like do something about this situation. Yeah. Well, I mean, clearly she got the higher Right. And none of the power. Right. It's, it's but then, so she's ridiculous. a prisoner in yeah. that case. Yeah. She's just like if she doesn't have the choice view. to leave. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, so all that stuff I just thought was really stupid. Um but with that, I think that's pretty much we're done here, right? <laughs> with Gwen, as much as we love Gwen. So I'm gonna go ahead and brood. Uh while Ground State doesn't really like move the story forward, you know, a lot. It's a watcher based on just the how damn good it is. We get closure <laughs> on Angel's search for Cordy, which is good, and Gwen will reappear in later episodes, although not nearly enough of them. So it's good to know who she is. But mostly it's just a delight of an episode. And without giving too many spoilers away, uh season four. A little short on delight. So we're just going to enjoy it and make it a watcher. <laughs> All right, Dr. Jones, what, like I need to ask, what is making you thirsty this week? Okay. Dark Wesley, Dark Wesley, Wesley Dark and Wesley. Lila and yes. Gwen mm-hmm. and Gwen and Angel and Wesley and Lila. When he says, shut up, Lila. And she says, make me. Oh, oh man. my God. And, yes. and Angel and Gwen. And like, I know Angel loves Cordy and he's probably yeah. tired of boats. But right. The Gwen ship is setting sail and I'm the captain. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I ship these two so hard and I love her and I have the biggest girl crush on her. Oh my God. No, Gwen's fantastic. Yeah. Gwen was wonderfully written. She's really interesting. The actress was fantastic. Yeah. Like all of that stuff. And I would absolutely, you know, like I would absolutely be like, oh, okay, Cordy stays in the clouds. Bring Gwen in. Yes. Give, <laughs> give Gwen a vision. She's enhanced. She can handle it. You know, yeah, um, because what they've done to Cordy has just been so 
terrible. Yes. Um, and it's it's without spo- not going to get a lot better. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Jones, what's your favorite part? Oh, God. Wesley cutting his arm and fading angel. Yeah. Uh, but also Gwen. Oh, yeah. Also yeah. Gwen. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, for me, it's it's Wesley feeding angel. It's proof of love. Yeah. You know, it's just that, that clear and also giving him the research on Cordelia without without being like, yeah, let's mend this friendship, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I just love all of it. Yeah. I think it's, it's so good. It's I love so all good. the Wesley stuff. And it was so great to have two really great episodes back It was. So, it was. It was yeah. wonderful. That may not happen again. No, it I'm may just not. warning people. <laughs> that might not happen again. It not happen again, but... We're, we're in for a rough ride, so grab your buckets. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe your ice picks. Ah! <laughs> to join in the discussion on Twitter, follow Lonnie at Lonnie Diane Rich, me at Dr. Kelly Jones, and all of the Chipperish podcast at Chipperish, and use the hashtag Still Dead for this show. To show your support for Still Dead, write us a raving review on iTunes, or you can keep Chipperish Media going to the tune of a dollar a month or more, and gain access to the live chat and Discord, where you can hang out with me and Lonnie, and all the Chipperish patrons who are all reporting to me now. <laughs> Visit patreon.com slash chipperish to find out more. This episode of Still Dead was brought to you by Chipperish Media producer Jonathan. Jonathan supports Chipperish Media at the power producer level and as a reward gets to shut up Lila in whatever way he sees fit. (laughs) Thank you, Jonathan. And thank you to everyone who supports Chipperish Media and makes all of this possible. Visit patreon.com slash chipperish to find out how you too can become a Still Dead producer. You can also show your support for Still Dead by going to Apple Podcasts and giving us a five-soul review. That's one of the most effective ways to show your support for your favorite podcast. Or use your social media platform of choice to tell your friends because word of mouth, like Justine's Buckets, is a powerful thing. (laughs) And to say thank you to our rogue demon hunters who take the time to write reviews, we return to the Prophecy Scrolls. Post your review and you will hear your prophecy soon. For the Golden Bee. The powers that be have launched a new subsidiary nicknamed the powers that screw you as a way to get out of the business of good and evil because let's face it, they sort of suck at it and try their hand at showbiz. They're accepting pilot pitches and you have been called, dear one, to write the script that will launch Gwen into her very own spinoff show. Hashtag still a freak. Some potential storyline ideas for you. Our favorite closet captive is thwarted by Gwen at every turn when Gwen blasts all of Justine's ice picks and buckets and then locks her in a safe for good measure. Gwen meets Connor and kicks his ass nonstop until he learns a new facial expression. Gwen teams up with Faith, Lila, Darla, and Drusilla for a super thirsty version of Ocean's Five and pulls off the world's greatest heist. Okay, shut up and take my money. <laughs> right? Gwen harnesses all the electricity in LA and shows us what real glowy power can do. It's your choice, sugar, so let your imagination run wild. We need this show. Nothing in the world is the way it should be without it. Oh my God, I want all of that. All of it. (laughs) All of it. We will be back next time with season four, episodes three and four, The House Always Wins, which is a skipper, and Slouching Toward Bethlehem, which is a watcher. Until then, we'll take away your bucket. (laughs) 